you're listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast, a pretty new podcast from Hole in My Heart Ministries out of Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm producer Steve. This is podcast number two, What's the Facts, Matt. And uh, without any further ado, let's turn it over to Matt and Lori Krieg. Hey, it's Lori. It's Matt. And we're going to talk about Matt. What's the facts, Matt? That's a pretty lame title, I'm not going to lie. But next podcast is What's the Story, Lori? So I had to do some sort of mm, rhyme. So nice. The facts, Matt. Just roll with it. We'll make it good at the story time. Yeah, there you go. But this is the Hole in My Heart podcast, the podcast where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day. And I am super looking forward to hearing how that tangibly works in Matt's life, both in the past and also in the present. Even though I've heard his story many times, I am always encouraged and exhorted by it. And I hope you are too. So first, we're going to talk through the question of the week from last week, which was about depth. What's it mean to be deep? And can you be deeply joyful? So Steve, Matt, have you guys thought any more about that? Oh, yeah, I did. I mean, I went and I talked to my wife about it that night. What'd she after say? After we recorded. Huh. I don't remember. It was a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> I should have written it down. Sorry. So we're going to get into Steve's marriage issues on another podcast. No joke, we are going to invite producer Steve's wife because she's one of oh, my friends. She's yes. totally going to come on here sometime. That would be awesome. Um, but Matt, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did talk a little bit about it. Um, I listened to, I listened to the TED Talks podcast, and there was this one person who talked about how as you get older, you get happier. And they talked about how you get, um, it's you can also feel more mixed emotions as you get older. It's like they described it as the tear in the eye as you're smiling, to which Matt said. Well, I mean, that's definitely a reference to the the orbs in um, Inside yeah, Out, because right. everything comes back to, uh, you know, a children's movie. Right. It's all about <laughs> so, Inside Out, which is actually a really great segue to our next segment called Goofball Island. <laughs> so every podcast is going to be split up into three different sections. The first one's going to be reviewing our question of the week from last week. Then, the, then we're going to be talking about uh, goofy things on what we call Goofball Island. If you don't know what that is, just watch Inside Out. Along with Harry Potter, we will be referring to it on the regular. And then the last, hopefully, largest chunk, depending on how long we talk about goofy things today, we're going to be talking about what we're calling the heart of the matter, which is where we're going to get into Matt's story. So without further ado, I am going to actually turn the mics over to Steve and Matt, (laughs) where they are going to talk about nerd things, and I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) Well, first of all, let me say thanks for... um, allowing me to have my own mic. Yeah, this, we upgraded you. You didn't around. have to scream from uh, the corner. That's right. Which I didn't mind. <laughs> but uh, anyway. It was we a like jarring. you. We want you to be holy hole in the right. hole in my, I okay. don't know. Anyway, go ahead, guys. <laughs> All right. So, so Steve, last week, um, as we were exiting, yeah. I, I learned something mm-hmm. about you. Um, yeah. And it, it really endeared you to my heart because I don't know you that well. <laughs> right. Um, but it was a mutual love yeah. of... The greatest story ever told that was not the Bible. <laughs> Thank you. I thought we were talking about the gospel. Uh, is there yeah, another one? Well, I'm, not the gospel. I'm not going to go that far, but a mutual love of Star Wars. Yes. And, you know, one of the things that I'm going to be talking about a little later is is what we call lament. It's mm-hmm. those those moments of sheer emotional anguish that's expressed in our in our words or our actions and I remember distinctly one of the first times I let myself lament was when reading a book. Yeah. And it was the story of 
the noble Chewbacca's death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know my reaction was, was definitely appropriate. I was weeping. There was gnashing of teeth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Literally when Matt and I are dating, I, he's, I was, he's like, you know, the first time I ever cried. He's like, I read a book and it was when Chewbacca died. I was like, what? And how did he die? Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Don't, spoiler alert. Come on oh. now. I mean, the book's only like 25 years old. So, right. you know, people need a chance to really read it, even though it's non-canonical now. Don't get me started there. Oh, right, right. Disney and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if there's one way to go, we, we know oh. that it's... It, <laughs> yes. You can't top getting hit by a moon. No. As the moon is crashing down on the planet where you're trying to evacuate your not just best friend, but the man to whom you owe a life debt. Oh, absolutely. When you're rescuing his family as you sacrifice yourself and the moon crashes into the planet, that's the way to go. I mean, it really, well, it really mirrors, you know, what Jesus did to a certain extent. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And I'm waiting for lightning. (laughs) We're surrounded by electronics. Thankfully, there's not a storm going right right now, but... Oh, my word. Okay, Steve, if you yeah. can just share a little bit about how you got into the Star Wars uh, well, and how old you were. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like the prime target. I was the like target demographic for Lucas and <laughs> Lucasfilm and 20th Century Fox as they were, you know, coming up with this cinematic masterpiece mm-hmm. that really would become a cultural phenomenon. I was in third grade. There you go. All right, 1977. However, one small problem, I'm not allowed to go to movies. Oh. I was, you know, my pretty conservative church and so forth. And so anyway, so everybody in my school is talking about Star Wars and I'm just like piecing it together. I bought the Scholastic, you know, picture storybook of Star Wars. Oh, Scholastic Fairs? Yes, (gasps) right. I can smell the books. Yep. Okay. So this is how I, yeah, (laughs) this is how I came to understand the Jedi and, you know, the Force and mm-hmm. Obi-Wan Kenobi, who, is he Ben or is he Obi-Wan? I couldn't I get the story Matt. from my friends. But well, in, he's in, both. Yes. Oh. I mean, spoiler, right. he is both. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so I just became kind of a just voracious, like, consumer of whatever I could find out about the Star Wars saga without having to go to the theater and watch them. That came mm-hmm. later. I was able to see them in the theater eventually. But, yeah, I was just fascinated. He was 40. <laughs> yes, it was just was, a few years ago. I was going to say, wait, in the, you, you saw them in the theater? Uh, yeah. Like the original ones, I not, not episode Before, one, two, and three. N- yeah. No, listen, so... During I don't like, know, the re-release? I, I, I mean, like, I know we've got important matters to get to, but I'll, yes, there was before the re-release where where Lucas kind of digitally remastered, kind of remastered oh, stuff. Yeah. There was a like a like a movie marathon down at Studio Twenty Eight, hey, which no longer exists uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, where they ran all three episodes four, five, and six in order. And my wife and I and some friends, that would be weird. Um, We went and saw it and I was like, "Ah, finally on the big screen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I was, I was in my twenties at that point. So your third grade wound, which we'll be talking about that, (laughs) was finally healed in the presence of your wife and your friends. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) It was a, it was a glorious redemptive moment. Speaking of those digitally remastered Mm. ones, I, this is confession time. Mm -hmm. Uh Um, I, 
I definitely watched one of those every night as I was falling asleep throughout high school. Wow. So on VHS. Wow. On VHS. So you had so, to rewind and everything. Oh, oh, I made sure. Well, it was one of those, if I fell asleep and it got to the end, it was the auto rewind. Oh, so, you guys were fancy. So yeah, we had some sweet, sweet tech in those days. <laughs> Check out my sweet tech. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I was definitely inundated in, yeah. in the Star Wars saga. Okay, but you also read all the books when you were yes, right one. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I wasn't a big reader. Yeah, I do remember I had a novelization of I think Return of the Jedi. Okay, that one summer I, it was my whole summer reading that book. But later, like post college, like right out of college, I had a roommate who was a bookworm, and he le- he was into sci fi, and I was bored because we couldn't afford cable, and I saw his Star Wars novel sitting on the shelf. I was like, "Can I read this?" And now I'm much more of a reader because Star hey. Wars kind of got me into reading. Yeah, Star Wars, mm-hmm. Tim Keller, Brennan Manning, you just there yeah, where you went right exactly, <laughs> and here we are. Well, that was fun. <laughs> We, we, are. we don't have to end it quite yet. I, this is a long, long saga. I, it is. <laughs> maybe in, maybe we could come back to this in a future well, episode of yes, the podcast. or in a galaxy far, far <laughs> away. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> let's get to the heart of the matter, which hopefully is sprinkled in with lovely, funny anecdotes, which perhaps might not be Star Wars uh, related. But Matt, we would love to hear your story. And Steve, I would love, I mean, we're letting you have a mic. Okay. If you have any questions, that you would like to add or comments, okay. you're welcome. Okay, you're welcome in this space. <laughs> um, so, Matt, I have known you for about a decade now, and I, I feel like as the years go on, I get to know more and more pieces of your story. But um, how did it begin? How did life begin for you as Matt? And um, where are you at now? How how has the gospel shown up in your life, even starting at a young age? Well, I mean, I, I grew up in a Christian home, mm-hmm. um, although the very beginning of my life was very complicated. Um, I was born very early, a couple months, um, which back in 1985 was fairly significant. Um, and so I was one of those babies that if you went into neonatal, yeah, they, they would have, you know, I was hooked up to tubes and wires and all these things and, you know, on a respirator, um, you know, and I, I remember... Well, very recently, just a few days ago, my dad recalling his experience in that and oh, just yeah. the 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 worry and, and everything, the the kind of the depths of his soul being concerned about his son, mm. um, his younger son. And so, you know, being born early and, you know, later on in life after I, you know, obviously made it, mm-hmm. um, my parents told me the story of, of my birth and you know, they always said, you know, the doctors back in those days, because of the complications, they were, they were seriously encouraging my mom to, to abort it, to, to abort me for her, for her safety. Um, because they didn't think that I would pull through. They didn't think that she would pull through if she went through with the pregnancy. Um, but my parents said, no, that is, that's not even close to, you know, what we want to do. They, they knew they were in love with me from, from the second they learned that I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and can I just jump in real quick? Yeah. It was really neat. The other day we went down and visited Matt's parents and we just had a great talk, just watching the fireflies come out. And it was your dad wept as he was sharing this story. And that was actually Matt's birth two months early in 1985. Yes. He's 32. Uh, is, was when Matt's parents 
your dad for sure came to Christ mm. and he like just wept. Like it reminded me a lot of actually David, King David, like when he was weeping for his son's life, but God chose to let you and your mom live, which was really neat. So, yeah. So after that, that kind of rocky start, um, I, you know, grew up in a loving family, um, was a fairly good student. Um, and things went well. I was, it was what a lot of people would have from the outside looked and seen, Oh, like just all American kid. I was, I played soccer. I was in boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, got good grades, never like really got into any trouble, you know, family went to church, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but as I said, I'm the younger son. I have an older brother, um, who I love to death, but oftentimes I felt like I was in his shadow. Mm. And, and so in that moment or in those moments when I felt like I was somehow less than mm -hmm. my brother, after a prolonged period of that, it really turned into a, a, a darker depression. And especially in junior high, there's enough stuff going on in your body hormonally anyway, that it's hard. Mm -hmm. Junior high is just pretty much hard for everyone. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was, it was something where I would go home and I quit everything. I quit all my sports. I quit Boy Scouts, I, I became really kind of a loner. Um, and I would go in my room and it would be dark and I would just think about ending it because I, I thought that no one would care. No mm -hmm. one would notice if I was gone. Mm -hmm. um, and try as I might to kind of fill that emptiness, like nothing really seemed to cut it. And at this point, I, you know, I was a Christian. I knew about God. I went to church every Sunday and, you know, every Wednesday and was involved in youth group. But it was like, it was like all this stuff was happening on the outside around me, but none of it was really sinking in. Mm. Um, and so in that time of, of, of kind of darkness, God really did reach out to me, though. You got to a point where you were going to end it. There yeah. was a day where you're like, this is the day I'm going to die. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there was, there was one night where I was, I was at my, the end of my rope, um, and pun not intended, but, and I was thinking about, you know, hanging myself at the end of a mm. rope and it was late at night and I was, I was sitting there and thinking about the, the rod in my closet and the belts in my drawer and, um, it, listening to music. And if, if you guys are familiar with the song Adam's song by Blink-182, that song came on. And back in those, back in those days, you know, it was, it was not uncommon for, for the songs to play like two thirds the way through, but then they would kind of skip over the last set of, you know, either verse or chorus mm -hmm. and, and just kind of move into the, to the next song. But at this particular moment, um, they actually played the last the last chorus. And, and if you're familiar with that song, it's a song that they wrote about their friend who had committed suicide. And the chorus always talks about how 16 held such better days, hmm. days, days when I could still feel alive, couldn't hmm. wait to get outside. Um, but the last chorus, rather than saying 16 held such better days, it said tomorrow holds hmm. such better days, hmm. days when I can still feel alive. And so that, that kind of caused me to just pause. I stopped. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I just said, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to go through with it. Hmm. Um, and God had orchestrated it that some, some guys that I really looked up to in my youth group, um, the names were Brian and Matt. Um, they were older than me. They were my brother's grade. I, I, you know, always thought I was just kind of this 
overlooked little little kids of them and they they really reached out to me hmm. you know like two days later sunday hmm. you know they i go to church and they're like hey matt we want to hang out with you and i'm like what wow. why i'm nothing i'm no one and they they really poured into me and so that was that was one of those moments in my life that i really know that god was for me yes not just for the world mm-hmm. which he is there too but but for me in particular mm-hmm. and so it sunk in a little bit, but then, you know, I just kind of brushed it off. I, I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm Christian, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, and for a season it was doing good, but still that, that emptiness kind of creeps back in because I didn't really know how to, how to hold on to it. Well, can we call it the hole in your heart? We, we can. We can call <laughs> it. <laughs> it, it would, it would seem to be appropriate, um, <laughs> You know, but, but we, this hole in my heart was still there. Um, and try as I might, I couldn't fill it with friends. Mm. Um, and at this point entering high school, you know, those transitional junior high years are over and I'm like, okay, this is my new leaf. And so I, I get good grades and, you know, had like a, a 4.2 my mm-hmm. freshman year of high school. It, it didn't cut it. I still felt that hole in my heart. Yeah, It was still speaking to me, even though I didn't know it was really there. Yeah. I just... You know, I wasn't old enough or wise enough to really understand that there was something deeper than I needed. And so I tried to fill things with sports and friends and grades. And ultimately, none of them really worked. But I I remember distinctly, and this is actually going back into my depression. So we're going back a couple of years. The first time that I walked into my friend's garage and saw a calendar that his dad had on the wall. Um, and it was a, a Sports Illustrated swimsuit calendar, and I knew that was intriguing. As a young, you know, junior high boy, that was intriguing. And so, anyway, fast forward a couple of years, high school, the internet, the advent of access to a lot of things, and all of a sudden that calendar on the wall turned into a lot of other things. Um, in the darkness, you know, with my parents not really knowing what was going on. No one knew what was going on. I knew enough to know it was wrong. Um, But in those moments, there was like this feeling of this person, even though they don't really know I exist, Hmm. thinks I'm worth something Hmm. because that's the story that I can create in my mind. Hmm. And so that became, you know, and, and I got entrenched in it pretty, pretty heavily. And, and that became kind of what I call my emotional Tylenol. So no matter what negative feeling, no matter what pain I might've been going through that I didn't really want to look at or feel, mm. I would start to go to, well, to sexuality mm. um, and specifically to pornography. And that became something I knew it was wrong and I would fight it. And so I'd have this cycle of like falling into it and but then as a Christian, knowing like having that, that nagging like conviction, but then also the shame, hmm. like I know it's wrong and I feel like I'm wrong because I'm doing this as a Christian. And so it was like this cycle of sin management where I'd fight a little harder and then I would redouble my efforts and then I would fall and then I would get back up and I would fight harder and fall because I wasn't supposed to do that on my own. And, and ultimately when I went to college, I, I had this... Well, this wonderful group of guys that I knew in, in my freshman dorm that we made it our goal for our, the, the year that our discipleship group, our group was going to eradicate 
mm-hmm. um, pornography and sexual immorality and stuff from our lives. And so throughout college, I did pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, I would still fall, but it was like, rather than being like a, every day, every two days, every, you know, every mm-hmm. week, it was like, I would go multiple weeks at a time without, without falling. And then if I mm-hmm. fell, I would tell the guys and they'd be like, okay, well let's keep going. And so it was like this camaraderie thing and community, community helped mm-hmm. foster longer periods of time where I wasn't falling into my temptation. Mm-hmm. But what happens with college? It lasts for four years, It ends five years. <laughs> and then it's over. And the 20-year-old crowd, we're in a season of transition. Mm-hmm. And so friends move away. All of a sudden, I'm going from living in this dorm room or apartment with all these guys who have the same goal as me right. to being on my own. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it's like I'm still fighting, I'm still fighting. Mm-hmm. But it's, and especially, well... I've told you this before, but Lori, after we got married mm-hmm. and I was no longer living with any of my guy friends right? and, and I knew how, and we'll get into your story in the next episode, but I knew how you viewed men. Yeah. I wasn't a safe person for you to share your struggle yeah. with me. And so I, I felt like this part of me was something, the struggle that I had was something you could never know. Right. And so going from this place of, um, I won't say freedom from the the struggle, but freedom in being able to share and and struggle openly and honestly with, with my friends who would pick me up. I felt like I lost that. Mm -hmm. And, and so for about a year, I I maintained kind of under my own sheer determination and and will. Um, Probably didn't want to fail me. And I didn't want to fail you, but then it was like, we, we hit a rough season where I was working and you were working and I was doing my internship for my master's program and doing full-time master's program. And so it was like, we would see each other Sunday and we'd go through our schedules and be like, well, I'll talk to you on Thursday, you know? And so there was just a season of loneliness and season of really isolation. And you didn't believe you were worth much in God's eyes. You weren't worth much in your own eyes. And I wasn't really telling you were worth much. So you had like from multiple angles. Yeah. That because, hole in your heart. Being like, that, oh, yeah, that hole was still there. Yeah. It had just been covered for yeah. a long time. And so, you know, about a year into our marriage, I, I fell fell back into it. And I fell in hard. Yep. Because all of a sudden, this wasn't something I could just get up and, and come clean with. And mm. in my own eyes, I, I didn't see it as something I could come clean with. And I... Mm. um. I kept it secret for, for six years. Hmm. And for those six years, I would, I would try and I would fight and I would fail. And it got progressively worse um, to the point where it was an addiction hmm. for me, where it was, it was more, it was more common for me to, to be engaging in the use of pornography than not on a daily basis. Hmm. And I remember sitting there hating myself hmm hating my life, hating, feeling just complete shame, complete and utter, like abject disgust with myself at who I was as a person. Mm. Um, And I remember you waking me up in the middle of the night and just saying, Matt, you need to get up and pray over the house. And I'm just going to jump in real quick. I wasn't planning on this, but meanwhile, I was watching Matt. I had no clue. I had no clue. But I was watching Matt. All I saw was like the guy I married all of a sudden was angry and sullen and like 
not caring about anything. Like, and I, I listened to enough podcasts and read enough like marriage books to like, A, I honestly, I assume that's how marriage was, is you just kind of lived your own lives. That's just what I thought. And then, but also I just was like, I don't know what's up. I just know I can't fix him. I don't know what to do. And so all I did was I prayed one sentence was Lord, make him like Jesus, make him like Jesus. So anytime you drove me insane, which was frequent, uh, I would pray for him to become like Jesus. And light just started to just shoot out darkness in our house, to be honest with you. So that night I woke him up and I was like, Matt, we need you to pray over this house. Like, do there's something in here. Can you just pray over it? Mm -hmm. So you got up. Yeah. So I I get up and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do my husbandly duties (laughs) as, you know, the, the head of the household. And, and I prayed and I, I remember just saying, Lord, let no spirit that is not of you mm-hmm. remain in this house. Like, yeah. and so you went back to bed and yeah. as, Rock. as you're able to do, and I'm jealous of, you fell asleep like immediately. Yep. Now it's not uncommon for me to have to like sit and, you know, wind down before I can fall asleep. Like God was not letting me fall asleep. I like tossed and turned for hours that night trying to get comfortable, trying to fall asleep and really wrestling with God saying, I don't want to tell her. I don't want to tell her because I knew he was prompting me, tell your wife, the one you have sinned against what you have done Mm. and how you have fallen, or I will not bless you. Mm. And I was like, God, let me, I was bargaining and everything. God, let me tell someone else. Let me tell my friend, Adam, let me tell, you know, another guy, someone that would understand, not Lori. Lori won't understand. She won't get it. This will devastate her. Right. Because as much as I wanted to protect myself, I, well, I also wanted to protect you a little bit and the relationship yeah. that I wanted to protect how you saw me. Mm. And ultimately what well, God told me was pride. Yeah. That <laughs> is an idol huh. that my worth coming from what you think of me, think mm-hmm. tenses or whatever is going on here, how you thought of me yep. mattered more to me than what God thinks of me. Wow. And I had to give that over. And so in my last ditch effort to, you know, in my defiant rebellion of God, I said, okay, God, if she wakes up right now, I will tell her. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking, I'm just going to like roll over and, you know, snuggle into my pillow and fall asleep. And I like rolled to my right and my left arm like shoots out and smacks Lori in the shoulder. (laughs) And she just rolls over and says, what? And I'm like, ah, (laughs) God, you got to be kidding me. Come on. Okay, fine, you win. And then I, well, broke to you probably some of the most devastating news that you've heard since we've yeah. been married, and that was that that I was addicted to pornography. Yeah. And so there was this season afterward where you were very angry, yeah. rightly so, because there are consequences to what I was doing. Yeah. But I also remember that very shortly after... I started reading the Bible and rather than just reading it as this dry thing, that's just a check box that I have to do to be Christian. It started to come alive in me Mm. and I started to actually enjoy God's word. Like I never had before. (laughs) I always resented it. And so this was a Wednesday that I came clean to you. And can I just jump in some of my reaction? Cause I know perhaps wives or women or girlfriends or whoever husbands are listening and in my role. And I was super shocked when I heard that. And like I said, I had no idea. 
And again, I had all of this perspective. Like, I was like, you are the one man I trusted, like the one guy. And you're just like everybody else. And I mentioned before, like, I wasn't a safe person. And a way Matt heard I wasn't safe is because whenever I would talk about pornography or guys, when I'd see them, I'm like, probably totally addicted to pornography. That'd be like my throwaway line. Little did I realize every time I was saying that in a super judgy, not Jesus-like way, super judgy of men, and I didn't have the same judge against women who wrestled with pornography addiction, but Matt heard, she's not safe. It was like, every time I said it, another wall went up. <laughs> and so in this, those few days, I was so ragey mad, but by like the third day, which probably was Jesus' plan. <laughs> this is my angst still. Like, it was so hard. But I was like, I remember sitting there on the ground and I'm like asking Matt questions and just getting like, okay, so this is the clearer picture of what was going on. And I'm just like question after question. Matt is humbly sitting there and like honestly answering. And I hear, I'm just like, okay, Jesus, help me get your emotions right now. How do you feel about this? Because I can react. I'm angry. There's a lot more. There's another year of healing to do. But I was like, how do you feel? And I just sense the Lord's like hope and joy. And I remember staring at Matt and being like, and I am so angry because I could tell Jesus is so hopeful for us now in our marriage. I'm just like crying and like laughing and angry um, because I knew that Jesus was going to use this too. So on that Sunday, is that where you're going? Well, not that Sunday. Oh. Um, I think it might have been the day before. Yeah. Because it was that third day. That, yeah. That third day that Jesus, in your quiet time, had yeah. prompted you, okay, now it's time to start building that back up again. Yes. I also read that same day, that same morning, um, Psalm 32. And the first like five verses just floored me because it says, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in, in whose spirit is no deceit. Mm. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Mm. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And that line that says, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Mm. I wasted so much time and energy and thought mm. building my deceit mm. to not get caught. In that self-protective mode, I, I spent so much time and energy just making sure I was not caught. And there was definitely freedom when I when I got that burden off my shoulders and, and when everything when I no longer had to carry it and I could finally, mm -hmm. and yes, it hurt, but finally answer you honestly, because you had asked me so many times, Matt, like, how are you doing with the pornography stuff? Cause you knew it was a past struggle for me, Yeah. but you didn't know I was in the midst of it. And I would always, you know, answer, Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. You know, yeah. I'm doing okay. Yeah. And for the first time being able to honestly answer and, and be truly expressing like where I was at the brokenness that I was carrying with me. Yeah. And I don't think I ever would have had well the courage to do that. I would have I would have taken it to my grave if God hadn't well wrestled with me and subdued me that night. Yeah. But even before that, it was you know, I talk about this this time in junior high and coming mm. out of the depression that I knew that God was for me mm. when he sent these two guys to to really you know, pour into me when they had no idea what I'd been going through. And 
you know, about this time when I came out to you, I had met with a counselor because of, well, we had just learned that we were losing our jobs. And so there was a, a lot of questions, a lot of, a lot of pain to go mm-hmm. through. And so I went to this counselor and, you know, she's not really a counselor, but she's someone who her goal is to usher people into the throne room of God or make them feel God's presence. Mm-hmm. And, and so I remember going to God kind of in my mind in this thing we call safe place and picturing myself standing in front of God. And as I pictured myself, I was this 13 year old, like 12, 13 year old junior high boy mm. in my mind. Mm. And it was like, she prompted me to just give over everything I believed about myself. Like I was carrying in a backpack and, you know, so that I am worthless. I am not gifted or not talented. I'm, you know, I'm not smart. I'm not, you know, no one likes me. No one notices me. No, like all these things. And it was like, as I was giving those over to Jesus, who I was picturing standing in front of me, it was, you know, all of a sudden he like steps forward and like wraps me in a hug Mm. and says, Matt, know that I love you. Mm. Like, and and I like to think of it as like the, the biblical no, like really experience, no, have lasting knowledge Mm -hmm. of his love for me. And so like remain in my love for you. Like I am not, this isn't something you can question. This isn't something you can, you can think that somehow misses you. Mm. Like know the love that I have for you. Yes. And so I feel like that was the first time since coming out of that depression that I really felt like God was real for me. Yeah. And, and, you know, here I had been through seminary, I'd been through Christian college and all these things We're for, for goodness sakes, we're missionaries like at this point. Mm. And this was the first time that God became this real impactful figure in my life. And, and I will say just as someone who has journeyed with you. So that was like three years ago or so now, I said to someone in a meeting today that I have never believed so much in the power of the gospel than watching Matt physically, emotionally, spiritually transform from then till now. Like I can literally look at pictures of him back then and now, and it's a different person. He's, it's it's shocking how life and love and, and from death comes life, the power of the gospel can absolutely transform someone. And so... I can sit here and testify as the person closest to him that like all he's saying is true. And I have been such a receiver of this man who I prayed for uh, to become like Jesus is becoming like Jesus. So. Um, just a question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I, you know, I felt like um, so, so drawn to you, Matt, as you told your story uh, that I didn't want to interrupt the flow, but. First of all, thank you just for being real, being honest, being authentic as, you know, a fellow struggler who's also found freedom. I just really, really appreciate that. Mm. Um, We don't hear enough of that. Mm. But I'm just like, I was struck by your identification of um, pornography as emotional Tylenol. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really good picture. And I'm just wondering, you know, at what point, when did you put that together? When did you realize, 
oh, I have got this sense of emptiness. Oh, I, you know, don't feel like I measure up to my brother. Oh, this thing seems to kind of feed, a, mm-hmm. you know, a need that I have, yeah. you know, like. Great question. And so like, when did you become aware of that? Because I, for me, it was not until many, many years later, <laughs> yeah, in the middle was, of it, you don't see that. Yeah. In the middle of it, I, I didn't. I didn't see that. And, and I hear I'd been trained as a counselor. So I cognitively knew, like in my head, I knew there's other things that drive us. It's not just the behavior, which in my case was pornography was, was not the root of the issue. That's mm-hmm. the outpouring of the issue. Right. Which, um, and so, but when I actually started, well, introspecting and reflecting on my own life, um, that, I mean, it was after I came clean mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I think it was when you fasted from it. So you immediately, Matt, sold everything. He did a giant fast. He got rid of his phone. He's like, whatever you say, Lori, I'll do it. <laughs> and, mm. But he actually made all the decisions. He's like, I'm going to do, th-. I'm like, whatever was going to help you. Yeah. It was your phone, it was your computer. And then I remember it was like, within a week, you're like, horn's actually not my problem. You're like, actually, it's escapism. And then I think you were like, what am I trying to escape from? Like I was addicted to my just phone. I was just addicted to screens. It wasn't even just like porn. And then I think you just, you started chasing the rabbit. Like you just were digging and digging and you're like, what started this? Well, and that's, and that's the thing is two, two things. One, um, for anyone out there who, who maybe is struggling, if you, if you have been caught or come out, um, especially if you're married, do whatever you can to, to prove that you're willing to give up everything for, for your spouse. Um, Why is that important? If I'm going to build trust with you, I can't. When, when I was trying to rebuild the trust that, that you had in me, yeah. there could be no question. Mm-hmm. Like if I was still walking around with a smartphone, which is basically porn in my pocket, mm-hmm. there's always a, a, a gap mm-hmm. where you can wonder, what's he doing? You know, when he's driving, mm-hmm. sitting in a stoplight or whatever, like it, it, and so getting rid of as much as I could get rid of access to it, I, I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and secondly, yeah, like to, to get rid of the screens actually just did a wonderful thing for me because I mean, it, when it wasn't porn, it was playing stupid games on my phone Yeah. Um, for hours. I was a three screen person, TV, computer, phone. I yeah. was like, they were all in front of me all the time Yeah. because I was doing whatever I could to live my life, not in myself, but in whatever I was watching, which was sports. It was video games. It was, you know, we had, we watched so many TV shows at that point. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like a full-time job, the amount of media we were consuming and and in order to really find that root issue i had to take away the tylenol Mm. you know it's yeah you can mask pain by taking pills but it's better to go to the doctor Mm. and you know remove the the tooth or the dentist the tooth that's Mm -hmm. got the toothache or whatever Mm. like Mm -hmm. and as long as you're masking that you're never going to find the real root because you won't have any motivation to, mm-hmm. but if you have to deal with the pain when you're feeling the pain, it, 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 it'll, it's kind of the avenue to get you to the wound brings things into focus. Yeah. yeah. It clarifies things. Fasting. It's just great. And that's really what it was. It was a literal two year fast. Matt didn't have mm. a smartphone. He had this terrible wannabe Blackberry <clears throat> and <laughs> as well as like, 
a bunch of different things. So now we only recently, both of us, I, I did a six month smartphone fast just because I was like, I, I wasn't wrestling with pornography, but just escapism. And just anytime I felt sad, mad, hungry, whatever, I just found, I was like, what am I doing? I am addicted to this thing. So I did a six month fast and then we both recently got smartphones again. And we have just set up, we call it setting ourselves up for success. And so what we've done is we share that we have iPhones. And so we have the cloud that's connected under the same name. So at any moment, I can always see what Matt's looking at and vice versa. We have a space that we put our phones immediately when we get in the house. We never bring them upstairs to where bedrooms are or rarely even downstairs where we like hang out. And so we've just put some safeguards in place and that builds that trust you were talking about, Matt, mm-hmm. for me. Cause I was anxious even two years after, like after your fast, like I was like, are we seriously doing this again? Am I walking into the lion's den <laughs> like that? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be suffering and in pain alone. Um, and you, you even then, and this was your choice. I wasn't your cop. You were like, we prayed about it. Um, and then you really just said, Lori, I, this is this is what we can do. Here's mm-hmm. how we can do this. And you were more hesitant than I even was, which was actually a good sign to me. Mm-hmm. So this is a lot. And I think that there's a lot of things that we opened up um, that we'll be talking about in the future. Some of what Matt allude, alluded to was the hole in my heart model, which is how do you get to that heart issue? Like how do like what Steve, what you were asking. Yeah. And so we talk about that really practically and at what level, where do the lies drop in? And it's not perfect like any model, no model's perfect, but we'd love to explain some of that. Um, but the question of the week this week is Matt mentioned, you know, when he really, when he gave his backpack over to God and he, it was just, God just like, know that I love you. And so we would just love to know when was the time you really knew God loved you? What was a moment like that for you? And so feel free to email us, um, Twitter, Instagram, but you can find all that on H I M H ministries.com. We'd also love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. Um, if you leave us a review, only if you like us. If you don't, just email Matt. <laughs> He's a counselor and uh, level-headed. <laughs> He'll handle it better. Um, and come to our Caring Well conference. That conference is this fall 11-11 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where we are trying to bridge the gap between LGBT people and the church while still holding to a traditional biblical sexual ethic, which is one man, one woman for life. We're answering the question, how? How can we care well for people while still following this definition of marriage. Um, so we want to help answer that. We're flying a bunch of people in across the country to come and and share some of the answers that they have found to following this hard nail road, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much for listening and for um, leaning in. And yeah, we'll see you next time where we're going to talk actually about my story. So there you go. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hole in My Heart podcast. The gospel is good news for everybody, every day. Learn more at himhministries.com.